0: 3.2 Dublin City FM, a weekly programme about addiction and recovery in Ireland. Again, you can always email the show. We'd like to hear your comments, questions, or suggestions about the programme uh, to addicted at Dublin City FM. You can also call or text the show on 087 2. Uh, Today's guest is Paul MacDonald. Good morning. Paul MacDonald or Paul MacDonald?
1: MacDonald, D O N N E L L L.
0: Paul MacDonald. Welcome, Paul. How are you today?
1: fantastic, beautiful morning.
0: It's fantastic. We're really getting a, an autumn summer. Um, Paul, it's great to have you here today. I appreciate you coming into the, the studio to talk to us about recovery. Sure. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into addiction? And
1: um, well, I suppose like um, how it all started was, you know, I, as a child, like I was born in, in in Kewluck on the north side of the city in a place called Darndale. Um For me, like, it was, I I believe it all started when I was a child. I was born with no eardrum in my left ear, so I had a a very difficult time um, hearing people and understanding them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I grew up in that type of an environment. Um, I was born in the 70s, and I grew up in the 80s. Must have been difficult in school, was it? It was was very difficult, you know, um, it really was, because back then, like, Eight out of ten homes was unemployed. Like mm. it was, a, it was. Darndale is just some beautiful people there, but it was a it was a dark place. You know, mm-hmm. I, it was. It's was very hard to grow up in. Yeah, it's very hard for for parents to rear a child there. Yeah. And, you know, d- d- depending dependent on social welfare, and mm-hmm. you know, back mm-hmm. then I was, I, I used to have memories still of it. You know, queuing up for your you bag of butter and stuff <laughs> and that you know but um yeah in school it was it was it was hard I I, I don't have any memory really of my primary mm-hmm. I just have little you know little memories in the back of my mind where my mother would be picking me up at the gate just little things like that I remember the cheese sandwiches and the milk in school you know as a child just little things like that but it was when I um when I went to secondary school. I had an awful problem, you know, with, mm-hmm. with um, like with the the students mm-hmm. or the the kids in school. Was that because of the hearing? Because Definitely. of the hearing, and like th- some some of them were like they'd be talking to you, and, and I just couldn't hear them. They'd be sitting right beside me, and just couldn't hear them. And mm-hmm. you know, they think you were being ignorant, or you were ignoring them, or mm-hmm. stuff like that. And and basically, I got into a lot of fights and that. And mm-hmm. So that's where it started, you know. I I started to cry and kick up and tell my mom I didn't want to go to school and I was I, like I always I always um, shared everything with my mother like what was going on she, like so she always she was always there for me yeah you had a good relationship and, yeah I had a great relationship with my mom and, and um, then I started with the teachers you know they'd put me down the back of the class and I couldn't hear so I couldn't mm. I couldn't progress I just it was like living in a world of my own, and so my, I'd go home and I'd tell my mom, and my 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 papers would be all wrong, and you know I'd be getting the worst grades and stuff like that. So my mom went to them and told them, listen, he has a, a hurting problem, he needs to be at the phone. So I remember one day specifically, my teacher called me up to front of the class and. I don't know whether it was an attack on me or not, but she brought me up the front, she put me sitting at the front and I thought this was great and she took off my shoes and socks. I specifically remember this mm. and she checked my feet to see were they dirty in front of the class and mm. they just laughed. Uh-huh. So, like, I, I... was kind of Humiliated, like, and... That memory's just stuck with me, you know? Yeah.
0: And uh, you left school soon
1: after that? So... I didn't, I, I, I was trying out of school. Okay. I was trying out of school, I just, I became dysfunctioned, mm. Um, mm. I became uneducated, Yeah. Um, I felt like I was rejected,
0: you oh. know, I,
1: well. I, I started to, you know, do things for the kids in school so they would accept me for what I did, not not me because as the like person, a, you know. Like a class clown? Yeah, like a, basically, that's what I used to do, and uh, fighting in the school yard, mm. and so eventually they just had enough of it and... Yeah. They expelled me, and I remember the day they expelled me, I was, I was, uh, the police brought me home. My mother was waiting on me, and she opened the door, and two guards had me. I was only a child, like, I was caught mm. shoplifting, uh-huh. you know, but, yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah. had you experienced, or had you been exposed to drug use then, or w- when did that
1: come on the scene? No, um, well, I was never exposed to drug use then, but back home, um, hmm. I, I experienced alcohol in the house. Yeah. Um, I experienced parties in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I mean parties, I mean like my dad and, and dad would bring guys back from the pub and, yeah. and we we would be told to go to bed and mm-hmm. me and my sister would sit at the top of the stairs and watch them. We would be fascinated with them. <laughs> They'd be all locked and singing and mm-hmm. me and my sister, we were, like, we were best friends as children. Yeah. We still are now, all yeah. over the bits, but that's what we used to do. Mm-hmm. So then, curiosity, as they say, you know, kicked in and I'd sneak in and I'd, Pinch a, a, a can or something, yeah. and a smoke, and that's how it started. You know, so that was your first stroke was alcohol. It was, it? it was a cigarette. Cigarette, yeah. Yeah, it was a cigarette. Then, as they say, it's a roller coaster. Then it's a, it was just a doorway. Yeah, it was just a doorway for um other substances to come in. And yeah, you were telling me earlier that
0: um, more or less twenty years you were in, in well addiction
1: in addiction for twenty years. Uh, 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 mm. uh, elevated. Um, as all my friends were going to school um, I used to work on a coal round right. so when they were in school I'd work for the local coal company and I wouldn't be getting paid I'd be getting paid in, in alcohol Okay. so at the in, at the weekend he'd give me a bottle of cider okay. and I, I used to let no I was going to the toilet and I'd pour it out and letting on to be drunk I, I could yeah. never yeah. handle it in any way yeah. so then my friends it just uh, all them years it just grew up then started to Take smoke hash. They, they were smoking hash and mm-hmm. in the in on the coal round, and my friends would be smoking hash, and then LSD and ecstasy. And I got to the age then where I, I started to at sixteen. I started to sell cannabis, mm-hmm. and I was caught. I was caught at fifteen. Sorry, and I was caught, and they remanded me until I was sixteen. And yeah. They put me into Saint Patrick's and. Thanks. That was just a frightening experience, you know, at that age back in, in the 80s. Like, yeah, yeah. You know. And uh, yeah. how long were you in there? I spent 12 months in there. I spent nine yeah. months in there. It's because you get a week knocked off every month. So yeah. I've I, I done nine months. And, yeah, I was I just... Nothing changed. Yeah. I, I went in there, had a problem with authority, mm. you know, and you just... Addiction just took off then, and Mm. I was taking ease in there, and we used to turn on the rave music at the weekends and night, and ease to be the prison in the detention center, and you know, and stuff like that. But I was never introduced to heroin
0: Mm.
1: until I got out of prison. I got out, and I went to visit all my friends, and they were in a house in Darndale, and. All of a sudden, I walked in. I I I was I was just one track minded. I I went. Mm. And I got a bag of cans and a lump of hash, as you do. And yeah. I got, got to see my friends. And I went into the house, and they were all sitting on washing machines and fridges and the table. They all had sheets of tin foil, and I didn't know where it was, mm. you know. And I remember specifically, this is the very first time I ever tried it. I had to sign on in the police station as part of my temporary release mm. at sixteen years of age. And um, one of my friends says to me. Have a shot of this before we walk you down the road. Mm. So I remember saying, "What do we do?" And he gave me the the tube, and he says, "Do this, suck that, and I'll yeah. take a drag of the smoke and all that stuff." Yeah. And I fell on the floor, and I remember my sight went; I couldn't see anything, but mm. I could hear everybody, and um, I could hear them saying, "No, he's okay. He's okay. He's still he's still awake." And one guy gave me a slap in the face to try and snap me over, and. I just—I was disorientated. I couldn't see, but I could hear clearly. I went to the police station, and one, the guard at the desk says to me, "Are you okay?" I was white as a ghost, like, mm. and, and that's part of your bail conditions—is if you use drugs, if you be took back in. So yeah, yeah. I don't know how I got away with it, but I did. But um, that was the first day I ever took it, and
0: yeah.
1: you know, they—they they talk about uh, using her and it's like chasing the dragon. The first time you
0: have it, there's a kind of continual yeah. Well, it, returning. it
1: wasn't not, for me. Basically, it wasn't like that. Like people say. The first time you hit you're hooked that's not mm. what it was with me The first time i took it i got physically sick so it wasn't a pleasurable experience. it wasn't pleasurable at all but but the the hit off it mm. was like amazing like mm. it's if i could describe it i don't think i could put a word on it it yeah. just brought me to a complete and utter another place mm. i felt so warm mm. I, f- I felt so loved mm. it was just a chemical boost yeah. it gave me well, so basically that well, I, I stopped in and I started going to raves with my friends and I used to sell ease and hash and mm. acid and that in the raves and sides and the asylum and stuff like that they were all nightclubs yeah, that's a and, a a yeah. Spot. and then one of my friends his father was a notorious heroin dealer on mm. the north side of Dublin and I remember going back to a snooker hall we used to go back to a snooker hall after sides and this holly used to just let us in till all hours in the morning we could do what we wanted Mm. and when the police come they'd let us know and you know we could get rid of the stuff and I remember going into the toilet and he there it was again so it's he started giving it to us then for free Mm. so every weekend we went out we got it for free so I took it out a weekend Mm. and coming down off my E and my coke Mm. and that and then I got to the stage then there we I I felt like I was I, I was addicted I felt like weekends weren't the same with were, so yeah. I needed it. That's where my mind yeah. was. I I hadn't any withdrawals from it, mm-hmm. but I just felt I needed mm-hmm. it to, it was part of my routine. Yeah. So then he started to charge us forty pounds and it was pumped back then. Mm. And that was a lot of money and that's when crime came in, you know. Yeah, yeah. So did it escalate but then? It escalated and it just brought me to a place of total desperation. Like yeah. I First and foremost, I, you know, my mother and my sister started to notice, um, you know, like I'd be sleeping longer, I wouldn't be eating my dinner, I wouldn't be washing as much, Mm. and I just started to deteriorate. Little signs like that, neglecting yourself, yeah, yeah. neglecting myself, rejecting myself, and I didn't notice it. Mm. I just didn't notice it. I was just, as far as I was concerned, I was just living and living. And then you you were put onto methadone at some stage. So then, basically, I went back to prison and that, and I. I realised then that when I got back out it was picking up again. So I went to Darndale. I went to a clinic in Darndale, mm-hmm. back in Darndale mm-hmm. in the 90s and, you know, I went on to a, a detoxification programme mm-hmm. first and it was, I was brown fi back then. It was mm-hmm. full of sugar and mm-hmm. it was twice as much. So to fast track that basically what it was they they put me on it and I got addicted to that immediately. Immediately I got addicted to that so... Addicted to her? Addicted to, to, a, to her down Yeah. Uh, immediately so then um what happened was i went on to a maintenance Mm -hmm. i didn't want to come off it so it was my choice i i I wanted this because this stuff just blocked out reality yeah Uh, like my biggest fear tom in life was facing reality that was my biggest fear my mother will always tell you that i was afraid of going to work i was afraid of doing what normal people do in society Mm -hmm. get up and walk nine to five pay your bills you know, respect people. I always did respect people. I just never respected myself. I never loved myself. But when Dixon came in, even though I say I respected and loved people, I still robbed them. Yeah. So I was so confused, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: But um. So basically, that's what happened. I went on, and I was then I moved on to another doctor. You know, so I was getting my phone in the clinic, and I was abusing other doctors. Mm. So I was I was getting double. Prescriptions and treble prescriptions. I was selling around the street, and it just progressed from
0: there. Yeah, it's uh, a thing that's continuing to happen today. I suppose people are being prescribed methadone and uh, using other drugs, and it's uh, it's a big issue. Um, we're going to take a break, um, Paul, and we have a nice song from Ellie Goulding called "Heart Without Chains." back. You're listening to Addicted on 103.2 Dublin City FM and I'm talking to Paul MacDonald. Paul just before the break there you were describing uh, your use of heroin and um, it eventually led to being prescribed methadone and looking back now you were 20 years on methadone Uh, what was that like I mean you found recovery along the way. We'll focus on the recovery but what was it like um, being on methadone for 20 years?
1: To be honest, it was an absolute nightmare. Mm. Seriously. I, I, like, I'm awake now. I'm alive now. Mm. But when I look back on it, I just, thank God, like, I, that I came out the the end of it. It was, well, basically, this was my life day-to-day. I'd wake up in the dark and I'd go sleep in the dark.
0: Mm.
1: I'd wake up, take my drugs, go and rob whoever needs to rob and go sleep in the dark. Even when you were on methadone? Even when I was on methadone. I became... On methadone like i even became addicted to crack cocaine yeah. crystal meth you know i've, I've old. deed over a dozen times you know bow mount hospital have many records of me bringing me back to life that's that's without the places where i've woken up myself yeah disorientated and methadone was just a safety net mm. it was like if i had no money or if i had no heroin or no crack or whatever the case may be on my tablets like I'd always have a bottle of foider. Yeah. So it was it was like a lean. It was like a shoulder to lean on. So what was the the turning point then? Well, wh- when did things change? Um, things didn't change. I was I was on methadone for twenty years without coming off it. Of, you know, mm. I uh, maintenance outside, maintenance inside, maintenance outside. I just mm. never came off it. Of, you know, my doctors are absolutely flabbergasted by the change. You know. Yeah. My change was, I came. I was in prison i just done three years for selling drugs and I think I lasted nine months and I got four mm-hmm. years for an armed robbery and I went to Tiglin for a way out. Okay. I went for a break, put on a bit of weight. Yeah. You know, tell us, uh, for those who don't know, uh, what is Tiglin? Tiglin is a, it's a rehabilitation centre up in Ashford in Wicklow. Mm-hmm. It's www.tiglin.ie mm-hmm. It's a place of, um, it's a sanctuary for people coming out of addiction. Yeah you know it's a christian based program and mm-hmm. um, it's a fantastic home it's you know i I love that place around my heart like what's th- what does that mean a christian based program what's it's it it it's based on your recovery it's like mm-hmm. it's biblical principles okay you know so they have fourteen modules up there so the education up there is fantastic like it's it's um uh, uh, love and acceptance how to love and accept yourself mm. again there's a class up there called how to overcome temptation mm. there's a class up there with uh, um, obedience to man so obedience to man would be authority like police figures mm. courts I ha- I rebelled against all them people you know yeah. so they're all interloined. they all come together for a purpose and what it does is that education is uh, um, transforms your mind mm. it it, it you're in a safe environment where there's no alcohol, no mm. cigarettes, mm. there's no s- women basically, mm. like no blue movies, nothing like that whatsoever, mm. it's a beautiful home um, and the scenery up there is fantastic, yeah. the staff up there are beautiful people, you know. Um.
0: So uh, uh, d- so you ended up going into Tigglin from prison and yeah. so
1: how did the program work for you? Well, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't at the start okay. because I went in there with a prison mentality, mm. street street tug type yeah, of person. Black and white. I actually went in there to be a believer or not to have a break to
0: yeah.
1: to, to get out Mountjoy for a while and you know give my mam a, a break because the police were always um, busting in our property and mm. you know like just before I came into Mountjoy they I had a terrible time with them you know they tore the whole cory sack apart yes. so. Um, so I went there and, you know, when I went in there, I was on a maintenance, I had to come down to 30 mils from 100 mils. Okay. So I was on 100 mils, 90 to 100 mils basically for 20 years. Going in? Yeah. So uh-huh. I had to come down to 30. While you you're in? To get in there. Okay. Oh, to get in. So yeah. So how did you get down? So I came down to 30 and I done... In the prison, was it? In the prison. Yeah. Slow detox, two mils every uh, three days. Mm-hmm. So i done a real slow detox mm-hmm. and every now and again I had a week for a break. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and... I'd done cold turkey yeah. because um, they don't give a maintenance program out there mm. at the time they don't yep. do that so I was going through cold turkey and also um, I was I had a very bad addicted I was addicted to volume and simaphane you know okay. I was really really bad like I was most mornings i take 40 Simovane yeah. and go and collect my methadone, oh, 40. so 40, I used to take mm. two or three trays every morning. Yeah. My mom, god love her, would wake me up with my cup of tea and my tablets. Yeah, there's a lot of people god on methadone her. use Simavane. Why? what's the attraction about Simovane? I don't know what it is, it's just, you know, I, I. to be honest, I just, I don't know, they just came hand in hand, mm. that's like, yeah. methadone tablets, they just come hand in hand, hand, mm. in hand you know, mm. So. Getting back to Tiglin, I went yeah. in and I was, i, I done what you call t- cold turkey, that means mm. detoxification without anything. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I just, I was lost. Yeah. You know, I was disorientated. I was hallucination. I had all the, I had diarrhea, all mm. that stuff. But basically, what transformed me was I seen this guy in there, and um, he's a very good friend of mine now. Yeah. I seen that guy in there, and he was a notorious member of a gang on the street mm-hmm. and I seen something in him that I seen something different and I couldn't point where it was the way he carried himself the way, the way he conducted himself He was in recovery The as way well. he spoke he was a staff member
0: Yeah,
1: and I just couldn't believe it mm-hmm. so I started to watch him and I started to observe him because mm-hmm. I was looking for a fault in him because that's the way it was programmed mm-hmm. I always found people's faults and mm-hmm. brought them out into the light and got a kick out of that yeah. so after a while, I realised that I needed to seek what He had. Yeah, you know, He really inspired you. So He, I had a chat room. He told me mm-hmm. where it was. So I seeked it, and when I went after, I, I found it. And it was, it was like all my life I've been abusing drugs mm-hmm. and I've been looking for like acceptance of people, and they're always letting me down. And not all the time, but people let you down. And so it's like I gave my life over to to the Lord God, mm-hmm. and. My life has never been the same. I just—I feel so fulfilled. I, you're over two years in recovery now. Yeah. What's it like? It's fantastic. I love it. I look. I love it. You know. I I'm, I'm fulfilled. I'm content. I don't have anything. You're just all. back from Canada. I'm just believe. back from Canada. Um, I I work in Tig Lane as a volunteer. And um, my life is transformed. I have total peace. Yeah. Total peace. What's the What's the future, Paul? My future My future is is in a is in the addiction field, you know. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't have any skills as a plumber, or a painter, or a carpenter, or anything like that. I have. Um, I have a big heart to make a difference, and I've 22 years of experience with, in addiction, and you know, God has just transformed my heart to give back what He gave me. He gave me life, so I want to use my experience, my knowledge, and my wisdom, and give it into the people. That are broken out there, and not just addicts. People in general around me, just to make a difference, to make a change. And you're back to college. Uh yeah, like I have my whole my whole life is turned around. I I volunteer in Tiglin and um, I volunteer in B Bray Community Addiction Team. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done Level Five Addiction and Community Studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a key workers course in college Fantastic. I've done child protection I'm now mm-hmm. doing level 7 in addiction studies in commun- Maynute Community College this month you know my life has just transformed completely I'm, I'm alive <laughs> I all these you're steps. alive and as you said a heart for recovery you're, you're a gentleman to talk
0: to Paul it's been a pleasure to have you here today yeah. we could certainly talk for another hour at least yeah. no doubt um, appreciate sharing your story with us today um, this is recovery month and it's great to have people like yourself Paul in recovery promote programs like Tick Lane, and um, well done and best of luck in the future
1: thank you Tom
0: that's it for this week uh, thanks for listening remember you can email the show to addicted at dublincdfm.ie um, tune in next week same time Monday at half twelve thank you <laughs>